That was a fun video. Um, we had a great, great Sunday last Sunday, a Sunday of celebration, Sunday to th think about what God has done for us. And um, we announced last week, and this was another thing to really be grateful for, we announced last week uh, the advanced commitments, the early commitments that have come in for Grow Forward. And uh, let's uh, see, here we go. That's what's already been committed. You know, our goal is to raise $250,000, and we have until next week. And, you know, we would love to have everybody who calls a bridge their home uh, to be involved. And uh, we've just asked people to pray about it and ask God what, what, they would want, what God wants you to do. And uh, next week, you can turn your commitment cards in through the offering, or you can send it by mail. You can do it as late as next Sunday morning um, in the offering. And uh, by the end of the service next week, we would love to announce where we are with our Grow Forward. So uh, pray about it and trust God with us as we, uh, as we walk through this together. So Bridge Kids, thank you for joining us and you are dismissed. It's always so disheartening when everybody leaves the room. So I recently read about an elderly gentleman, I'm assuming he was older than me, uh, and he had considerable trouble communicating with his wife. Uh, because of this struggle in communication, the husband concluded that his wife was losing her hearing. And to prove his theory, he set out to conduct a hearing test just to prove what he thought. So without informing uh, his wife of his plan, he proceeded with the test. And she was seated across the room, and uh, he, she had her back to him. And so uh, he decided, I'm going to do this little test. And he said, can you hear me, dear? And there was no response. He walked a little bit closer to her, and he said the very same thing, nothing. Then he walked again closer to his wife, and he said, can you hear me, dear? And he didn't hear anything. And then he walked right up behind her, and he leaned down, and he said, can you hear me now? And she said, for the fourth time, yes. <laughs> you know, sometimes we struggle to communicate with people that we care about. Sometimes we struggle to hear what people we care about have to say. And the reason I know this is because my wife has told me many, many times how much I struggle. Have you ever experienced a breakdown in communication with someone else, with someone you care about? Have you ever experienced a breakdown in your communication with God? Have you ever missed His leading or His prompting? Today we're going to look at a very short passage, and it's really about discipleship. It's not directly about prayer, but it's about listening. And the passage we're going to look at 
is in Luke chapter 10, and it's a very short passage. It's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. This is a passage we looked at in our study of Luke. I'm going to take a slightly different focus than I did back then. So Luke chapter 10, verses 38 and following, let me read that for us. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. It's a very short passage, and we're going to look at a couple of principles uh, from this passage. And the very first one is that we see in the life of Martha, serving Christ is a good thing, isn't it? We need people to serve Christ and his church. We need people to serve here at the bridge. And when you serve at the bridge, I hope you understand you're serving Christ and his church. The church is his bride. Serving Christ is a good thing. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, a lot of us know this story. Um, so uh, who are the people? Well, it's kind of obvious here. It includes Jesus because he was coming. It includes his disciples, and that would be at least 12 of them. There's probably a few more. There, it includes a woman named Martha. And we know from the context that it includes uh, a sister of Martha, and her name is Mary. Now, what we don't know from this passage is that there's also a brother, and his name is Lazarus. And we know that from John chapter 11, that Mary and Martha had a brother. And Jesus just raised him from the dead in John chapter 11. So uh, here are the people. The place, it's a village. And we know from John 11, the village is Bethany. And of course, it's always good to have a map, just to have a reminder so think of Bethany. It's just about two miles or so east of Jerusalem. It's very close. Bethany is very small. Jerusalem is where the temple is. It's the largest city. It's where people from all over the world, Jewish people from all over the world, come to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is also the place where Jesus would be crucified. So the point is, serving Christ is a good thing. Martha is serving Jesus, her Lord and her Master. Martha displays hospitality. She opens her home for Jesus. Uh, Jesus and her friend and his friends need a place to stay. They need a place to hang out. They need a place to eat. Martha sees the need, and she opens her home to provide this hospitality. Martha is a committed follower of Jesus. She wants to serve Jesus 
and serving Jesus is a good thing. The Apostle Paul reminds us that serving Christ is a good thing. He says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he says, let us not become weary in doing good. Doing good is a good thing. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, just like Martha, let us do good to all people. Now, she's got Jesus in person to serve him especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Serving Christ is a good thing. Doubt if we get a lot of argument here today about that. Now next we're going to be introduced to Mary. And what we learn about Mary is listening to Christ is a good thing. Look at verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So, who are the people? Well, there's Martha, and there's Mary, who's now in the picture, and there is Jesus, who is teaching, and there is Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. All at the place is Mary and Martha's house in Bethany. So what's the point? So we have the same occasion. We have two different focuses by Martha first and then Mary. And these are two sisters and they were raised in the same household. And are they wired differently? Probably. Martha is the oldest, by the way. She's highly responsible. Um, And actually, this is a pretty radical picture and it's kind of easy to miss. So it was very common in the first century for a disciple who was in discipleship with a leader, with a rabbi, with a teacher, it was a common picture for them to actually sit under uh, his teaching at his feet. So not only was that a common picture, it was also a way to describe the relationship sitting at the feet. And so this was kind of common, but what is very uncommon is that this is a woman sitting at the feet of a rabbi, and that is not the usual picture, because rabbis didn't allow women to sit at their feet. But Jesus has a radically different view about discipleship, and Mary feels safe sitting at the feet of Jesus and she is listening. Uh, she wants, she, Mary is a learner, and she wants to listen, and she wants to hear the words of Jesus. She wants to know what he has to say. Now, it's a little bit different for us. We, we don't get to uh, communicate with Jesus face-to-face the way Mary and Martha did. But we do have his word. We have God's word. Um, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. The Apostle Paul wrote this. This is God's word. By the way, Jesus is God. And God's word is all from Jesus as well. Consequently, the Apostle Paul writes, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. 
Actually, it's impossible to grow without hearing the Word of God. And what Scripture teaches and what this passage teaches is that when we are exposed to the proclamation of the Word of God, our faith can grow. It's impossible to grow without it. At least a biblical faith where you're actually going to grow spiritually as a Christ follower. And um, listening is a good thing. And, and hearing God's word, there, there's a place for that. It's not the only way we grow, but our faith grows when we are exposed to Scripture, the Word of God. The Apostle James adds this for it. He says, do not merely listen to the Word. We need to listen. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so James takes that a step forward, for, uh, further and this is actually kind of the Hebrew concept of listening. The, the way we, we have listening means something different for us. Listening just means, oh, I heard what you said. But that's not what it meant in the concept of Hebrew, where listening meant if you heard what God said, the only way you can tell that you heard it is you do what he says. There's follow-through. There's an application to life. And that's what James makes clear for us. It's not just because James is beginning to get exposed to the Western mind. You know, we separate hearing and listening as if we don't have to do anything about it. So James just makes that clear. So listening to Jesus is a good thing. Thirdly, the problem is that good things can distract us from the most important things. This is what we learn about discipleship. And it's also what we can learn about prayer. We can get distracted by busyness, by ministry, by serving God, by doing really good things. We get distracted by cell phones and cell phones and cell phones and we get distracted by social media and we get distracted by all kinds of things that can be important. But the key idea here is the distraction. Distractions, uh, in verse 40, can make us irritable and self-focused. Irritable and self-focused, because that's exactly what happens to Martha. In verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care? Uh, my sister is not doing anything to help me. She's left the whole burden on me. Don't you care? I have to do everything myself. Tell her to help me. So Martha's doing a good thing, right? She's serving Christ. But Martha's getting irritable. She's getting distracted. She can feel the pressure of her responsibility. Uh, she has so much to do, and she wants it to be perfect for Jesus. Good motive, right? The perfect meal. She wants Jesus to be able to say, Martha, that was really good. Thanks so much. But Martha sees an injustice. This is not Fair. She has expectations. I don't know if she ever talked to Mary about it ahead of time or not, but she has some expectations on Mary. 
Martha has become irritable. Her focus is no longer on Jesus. Her focus is now on the unfairness of the situation. Also in verse 40, distractions can cause us to compare ourselves with others. That's exactly what she does with Mary. She's so distracted, all this work, Lord, don't you care? Look at my sister. She's beginning to compare. Mary doesn't stack up. Mary is loafing. Mary is not like me. Mary doesn't take responsibility like I do. And she's comparing herself with Mary. It's a danger for us to compare ourselves with others. And we think, we usually compare ourselves with people we think we're just a cut above, at least. Um, thirdly, distractions can cause us to worry about the details of life, life as if we're the only ones who are responsible or we're the only ones who are capable of fixing this. And we see that again in verse 40. Um, she's got all of this work, so much to do. This, she wants to have the perfect meal. Um, Mary won't help. She can't count on Mary. Only Martha is responsible. And now she begins to blame Jesus. What did he do wrong? Jesus, don't you care? You don't love me. Jesus, fix this. This is not fair. And... Um, She's left to do this by tell Jesus, you tell her to help me. Jesus, it's your problem. Jesus should do something to make this fair. Verses 41 and 42, it can keep us from experiencing God's peace. Distractions can keep us from experiencing a sense of peace at the center of our lives. Because you know, one of the most difficult things when, when life is hard, when there's, there's storms around us, when circumstances seem like they're out of control, is to, ha is to have some kind of peace at the center. Yes, life is hard. Yes, circumstances are crazy. It might be health conditions. It might be financial conditions. It might be relational issues. It might be your marriage. Is it possible to have peace? Um, Martha is so distracted. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I knew it was there, I just couldn't find it. The Apostle Paul reminds us, and sometimes it's hard to go over passages that you know, how many times have we talked about this passage? But it's still true. It's still true. The Apostle Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything. Because there's plenty in life to cause anxiety, to cause worry. Is this real that I can't be anxious? Well, what, I think the better way to look at this is Paul is telling us what to do when the red light comes on your, the dashboard of your life. The worry is dragging you down. And Paul says, okay, that's the reminder to pray. 
Don't be anxious, but replace it in every situation by prayer and petition. So you turn to God in prayer and you bring a petition and you make it specific because that's what a petition is. What is the issue that you need? What is the problem that you are facing? Specifically state it before God. And come with thanksgiving. And, and you, that, that's a discipline. And, and you may have to sit back and reflect and get serious about what do I have to be thankful for? And there's actually quite a few things that you have to be thankful for. The relationship with God, that Jesus died for you, that he forgave your sins, that you don't get hell because that's what you deserve. All that he provides for you. you know, we've talked a lot in the last several weeks about the blessing you know, materialism is one of our problems. Well, there's a whole lot of countries that don't have that as a problem. We are blessed with stuff. We are blessed with finances. We are blessed with good health and a health system. What do we have to be thankful for? And then present your request to God. And then there's a promise here. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it's not, it's not rational, it's not reasonable, it may not be explainable. It, it is an experience. It's not just a theological idea of peace. It is a real experience for the core of your life. The peace of God. And it will, and I love this picture, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's going to guard all that you are. Your emotions your, your worry, your mind that can, can race and throw out all the different possibilities of failure, the peace of God. And, and the word picture here, uh, guard your hearts, that word picture of the guard is like in the first century uh, for Paul, he was chained to a Roman soldier, and it's like the Roman sentinel going around protecting the heart and the mind to keep the peace of God at the center. Now, when you have the peace of God, the world looks different. There's clarity when it comes to make decisions. And there's a sense of hope that even though the world's out of control, God is in charge because this peace comes from God. Also, verses 41 and 42, it Distractions keep us from experiencing God's rest. Distractions uh, keep us from experiencing God's rest. And, and Jesus responds back to Martha. He speaks to her very gently. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. And, you know, she's taken on this big job and all she can think about are the problems and her responsibility. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed. Wish we could ask him that. What, what are the few things? He's saying it's, you've got to make it more simple than that. It's not about all of your distractions. And then he says, indeed, there's only one. And Mary has chosen 
what is better. And Jesus says, I won't take it away from her. So Martha is working hard at serving. And it's going to take a lot of energy, right? But now she's worrying, too. She's got all these things to do. Now you just add on top of that worry. And what does that do? How much energy does it take to do the things? And then how much energy does it take to worry? And worry. This is going to increase wear and tear pretty significantly. Martha is being depleted by her circumstances. Mary is not suffering. That's not fair. Mary is not worrying. Mary has been focused on Jesus. Mary has a better choice. And I know that we could talk and, you know, we could, we could well, take, let's, I think we have a lot of Martha supporters in the room. I get that because sometimes I'm just like Martha. Because, you know, being a Christian, all you have to do is do good things, act, you know, act like a good Christian, you look like a good Christian, talk like a good Christian. You are a good Christian, right? Do you worry too? Do your circumstances weigh you down? Sometimes. Sometimes I forget. But there's a, a, there's a lesson for us. It's not that, well... Martha is always wrong and Mary is always right. It's about priorities because if you're always doing the serving and you're not taking time to focus on Jesus, you're going to miss a whole lot. And you're going to worry and have anxiety and be overwhelmed. And you're going to be doing it in your own energy and strength. And that's probably the kind of results you'll have. Um, Jesus offered his followers, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, another really well-known passage. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That probably means us, okay? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That requires some kind of relationship, some kind of commitment to be close to Jesus. And Jesus said, I will give you rest. He says, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So I think the only way we're going to find rest for our souls is going to be in a close relationship with Jesus, where we have enough time or enough space in our life to listen He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But for Martha, she thinks serving Jesus is heavy. And her burden is not light at all. The last portion is from verses 41 and 42. Distractions can keep us from hearing God's directions and instructions. And we walk through the passage again, and Martha's worried about many things. Only a few things are needed. Mary has chosen what is better, to listen, to have Jesus be a priority for her life. 
Even with all of the work that needed to be done, Mary feels the best place for her to be is to stop and listen to Jesus. Some of you think she was just lazy. Jesus didn't think so. Um, Mary listens. Mary sits at the feet of Jesus so she can be instructed. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, another one of my favorite passages. To the Jews who had believed in him, so Jesus is teaching, he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you, there's a condition here. The condition is if you hold to Jesus' teaching. Uh, it's about what did Jesus teach? Uh, what do scriptures have to say? What does God's word say? If you hold to it, not just believe the right things about it, but if you embrace it into your life, living by faith, seeking to implement what he taught, then he said, then you're the real deal. That's how you can tell you're really his disciples, because you're following, because you're, you're, you're beginning to look like Jesus himself. He says, the result will be, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And God's word can have a big impact on our life and on our circumstances. Freedom, God's word can have a huge impact on our worry. God's word can have a huge impact on dealing with temptation. God's word can have a huge impact on dealing with addictions. God's word has a huge impact in giving us hope and thinking about our needs and think about what God is going to do and to think about what God has promised. And the point is, we, we need to take time to listen. We have to be intentional about taking time. We have to hear from God. We have to put, our play, put ourselves in the place to hear and that might include a Sunday morning sermon, but that's just going to be a small part. It's about taking time with God. And, you know, one of the things we talk about, we use the word quiet time sometimes. Um, and simply, we have a relationship with God, and relationships require, good relationships require two-way communication. And we, we need to hear from God, and so we have to make space in our schedules so that I'm exposed to God's word. And like on a daily basis, do, do I have time for God on a daily basis to listen? What is, he, what is he communicating? What is God like? How does God work? What is God impressing on me? Does he want me to do something? Um, when I take that time... If I'm really open to God, that's when the Holy Spirit can prompt me, give me ideas. My, some of my best ideas come while reading Scripture. And um, when I need wisdom, it comes from processing Scripture. But it's two-way. I, 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 
I listen, but I also get to talk with God, and I, and I get to talk about what's going on in my life, and what, are, what struggles do I have, and what are my needs, and what do I need God to help me with? It's like, it's like, the, it's like the man who, um, he begins his prayer, and he says, Thank you, God, that I, I'm, I haven't struggled with sin all day. Thank you, God, that I haven't struggled with any temptations today. Thank you, God, that um, I haven't even had an evil thought today. God, in just a minute, I'm going to get up. I'm going to need your help for everything else. I, that, I know that didn't fly very well. but <laughs> You know, I need God for everything. Um. And so we have a relationship with God. It's a two-way relationship. I need to make space. I need to have time so I can listen, so I can communicate with God, and he can communicate. Sometimes he really speaks through our listening in prayer. Sometimes he prompts us by his Holy Spirit. Sometimes he leads us from one passage to another to hear what he has to say. But we have to make space if it's important. We have to make space for God. Um, Psalm 46, verse 10. Do we have that? Psalm 46, verse 10. God says, be still and know that, that I am God. So my question is, do you have time to be still for the sake of God so that you can hear so that you can listen to him. Let's stand and pray. Father, we've looked at a simple passage this morning. Yet there's some important things for us. We're so grateful for the privilege to know you and to have a relationship with you and to think that the God of the universe would hear our prayers, that the, to think that the God of the universe loves us so much that he would speak to us individually, that he would allow us to approach him at the throne of grace and bring our petty little things and our really important things and all things. And we thank you for the privilege to know you. Help us, Father, to continually be learners, to continually be listeners, for Jesus' sake, amen.